Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, we're going to land the plane this morning on the series, No Place Like Home. Just as a friendly reminder, Peter wrote this letter that we've been looking at, and it circulated around local churches. And the whole big idea of this letter was this. He wrote to encourage followers of Jesus that hope in our true home empowers us to live Jesus-centered lives in our temporary home. You know, this big idea was seen through every week that our attention, our focus needs to be on the home that we're going to be spending forever in, not the starter home. And so that's the ultimate investment, not this home. Well, I believe that everyone listening, watching, I believe that you want to be successful Now, some of us would describe success as having the dream home, being able to retire early, a job that provides an opportunity for promotion, and kids that are good. Well, they're well-behaved, at least in the public. The spouse that looks good and looks better and better as time goes by. But for others of us, I believe we would define success as just having somewhere to live having enough money to live on, a job with benefits, providing a life for their kids, and spending their life with someone. That's how some of us would describe success. Fact is, we would, def- we would describe success differently. However we describe success, it sounds like it's obtainable. It's, it's the next thing. It's getting to the next level. It's getting to the next job. It's getting to the next best thing. And honestly, how I would describe success when I was in high school was a lot different than in college. I mean, when I was in high school, I went from getting a car to a car that would start so I could get to work. You know, the old 84 Rabbit convertible didn't last too long. When I was in college... It was different than when I was married. I went from if I only got married to how do I remain faithful and build a legacy. See, for me, to describe success, it's been a moving target. From high school to now being a dad, things have moved for me. Perhaps it's important to define success. And I believe by defining it, it may change how we would describe it. Peter helps us understand success as we close out this series. Now, it might be good to use a definition. This is a definition I've used over the years. The definition that I would use to describe success or define success would be this. It's being faithful to becoming who God has called you to be. It's being faithful to becoming who God has called you to be. Now, this definition should change the way that some of us are praying Uh, you know, quite honestly, I think some of us, we're miserable because we don't have the things that we're praying for. You know, we're praying, if I only had a million dollars, I would be able to do so much. If I only had someone to spend the rest of my life with, I I wouldn't be lonely. If I only had that promotion, I would be able to show off my abilities, my talents. Fact is, and I don't mean to be judgmental or anything like that maybe if i push a little bit why would god want to complicate your misery by answering your prayer when you have a hard time managing a hundred bucks or maybe you think marriage will solve your loneliness yet you stink at commitment you haven't shown your ability in your current job you show up late you over promise under deliver 
See, according to Peter, we'll find success by doing three things. The first, being engaged in the local church. That's the first thing. The second thing, taking personal responsibility of our pride. That'd be number two. And number three, staying faithful when things don't go as planned. So we're going to jump in to this section of the letter. So let's jump in to 1 Peter 5, verse 5. First thing, being engaged in the local church. He says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Peter is speaking to those who are younger in the church. Not necessarily age, but spiritual maturity. Think of it like this. Have you ever met a teenager who knows everything? <laughs> you might be thinking, yep, I have a couple live in my home. We had a, we were looking for a quarterback last year, and we had one of these student athletes that came up to us, and he's like, look, I know the position. I know it. And so we had him do some drills. Fact is, he had two left feet. He could not, he could not read the defense. He couldn't do what we wanted to. I said to him, I said, look, this just isn't going to work out, but I had to ask who confirmed to you that you could play quarterback? He said, Madden. <laughs> I was like, man, this is different than a video game. Look, the word picture for accept authority is literally a military term to rank under. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, here he goes again, talking about submission. Look, again, it's the same type of term. See, it's not about abilities. It's about attitude. It's not about abilities. It's about attitude. It's following Jesus' example as he followed rank under his father during his ministry on earth. Peter describes to those who are elders how to lead. And so in the previous verses, he talks about a couple things. You know, we have four elders at our church. Uh, myself, who, who leads the team of elders. We have Chad, we have Scott, and we have Stu. Now they're going to be speaking next week, so don't miss that. This team is ultimately responsible for our church, specifically how we set culture. And when we mean by culture, we mean mission, vision, values. So Peter talks about a crown that elders will be given, and then we give that back to Jesus based on how we did as elders. Big shoes to fill. Well, we also have a staff team too, and they function as the day-to-day decision makers. Now, it's important that we have a group of leaders that makes it easy for people to be willing to rank under. Now, we do this by doing a couple of things. One's, of course, setting culture, but this is how we would set the culture. The, the first thing is we need to care for the flock that God has entrusted to us. Well, the first really the big thing out of that is we need to recognize that God brings you, God brings people to our church However, he does so, whether through word of mouth, Google, Facebook, drive-by. See, caring means to meet their needs and provide opportunity to grow spiritually. Look, I believe that we provide a lot of opportunity to grow spiritually. It's whether or not we want to take advantage of it. The second thing is he says, watch over the flock. So not only care, but watch over them willingly. And this is something we are eager to do as we serve God. Like one of the things that we do to watch is that we fight off things that will be harmful to our church. Gossip, false teaching. We're also not alone. Um, we work together. Uh, we hold each other accountable as we serve together, as we serve you. 
See, Peter continues, he says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, then he goes from the leadership down to everybody in the local church, attenders, staff, elders, everybody. It's an allscape that we all need to be humble. The word picture for dress yourselves in humility is literally putting on an apron to, to serve someone who is, you know, in the same church as you. This is a big deal. Now, again, this is not about abilities. This is about attitude. This is about asking someone as we put on the apron, as we're like Jesus, hey, how can I serve you? How can I serve? And we're going around putting on aprons and saying, okay, how can I help you? How can I serve you? See, what Jesus did is he clothed himself with an apron to wash the disciples' feet. A king washing was unheard of. A king washing feet? I mean, no one ever did that. But again, this was not about ability. This was about attitude. It's important for us to understand that those of us who are leaders in our church need to put on an apron, and it makes it easier for those we serve to put on an apron as well. The second way that you and I can be successful is not only being engaged in local church, but taking personal responsibility of our pride. See, we all have pride. We all have it at times. We struggle, I mean, at times with our pride. I mean, for some of us, we're, we're not willing to admit that we're wrong. We're willing to go off on someone on social media because of something they, they, they wrote, or maybe they gave us a thumbs down on a Facebook or a, um, a YouTube video, and we're just sort of just angry. Others of us, man, we're convincing ourselves that we deserve something that we really don't need. Peter is a guy who had moments where he struggled with pride, including attempting to prove, look, one time, Jesus, I'm going to die for you. And of course, we all know what happened there. He denied him. And then he needed to be convinced by God in a dream to share the gospel with people who grew up differently than him. Look, Peter knows what he's talking about. He knows how important it is to take personal responsibility of our pride. So he writes, So humble yourselves under the muddy power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. He says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You know, our pride can sometimes be in the way of putting on an apron. We can get so mad at people for not helping us or serving, yet... We're not helping or serving others. For some of us, I think we're pretty familiar with how C.S. Lewis described humility. He wrote, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. When we think we are losing by giving up too much, it's actually, in that moment, it's when we're winning. It's when we're winning. Jesus was clear in Matthew 20, 16, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In God's kingdom, promotion is demotion. Promotion is demotion. Like we mentioned before, it's not about abilities. It's about attitude. Not about abilities. It's about attitude. Our pride can get in the way of asking God for help with our anxiety, our fear, our doubt, 
we believe that we can handle the stress, the fear, the doubt, the anxiety on our own. And when we try to, we are pretty quick to blame God about our job, our money, our, our marriage, our kids, our health. But yet we're slow to ask him for help to navigate our anxiety, our fears, our doubts. Can I shoot straight? It's not God's fault. Most of the things that you and I are worried or stressed out about are outside of our control. And when we get all amped up and treat people poorly, it's on us. Look, we don't need to realize that everything we have, we we just really kind of need to realize that not everything we have belongs to us. It belongs to God. It belongs to him. And he allows us to manage those things well. So Peter continues. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Hmm. Our pride opens us up to our real enemy. Sometimes we're quick to, to lose sight that we have a real enemy. Look, the real enemy isn't your mother-in-law. It's not our wife's boyfriend from the eighth grade. It's not our spouse. It's not our kids. It's not our boss. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not even me as your pastor. We believe that there's a real enemy, Satan, because Jesus faced him, and Jesus talked about how he is our real enemy. Look, we cannot lose sight of him. Some of us can't see him because we're not looking for him. Uh, a few months back before, before COVID happened, we took Brooke to the D.C. Zoo. If you've never been there, you've got be, to go there. If ho- hopefully when they open back up, it's amazing. But we were looking at the line enclosure. And she couldn't see the line. And so she just stopped looking. She's like, Dad, I can't see the line. I said, baby, the line's looking right at you. See, the line was hiding the blind, but it was looking right at Brooke. Don't miss this. The best way to stand firm against Satan is to have others building into your faith, looking at things that you can't see, able to help you see things that you might be missing. The way to do that is being engaged in in church is huge to that. What we can do collectively as a church is stronger than what you and I can do individually. There is strength in numbers. And I know some of you guys, you guys feel like it's the thing I beat all the time, but it is so important to be in a group. Look, the last part of verse 9 really is hard for us to relate to, but it was true when Peter wrote this. As he referred to the devil as a roaring lion, his readers would have understood as Christians were thrown in the Roman Colosseum to fight lions for entertainment under Nero. What we experience in America, which was founded on Christianity, is different than what believers in other parts of the world, in countries founded in Marxism or communism and other atheistic philosophies, they live a lot differently than we do. Finally, the last practice for you and I to be successful is staying faithful when things don't go as planned. Notice he writes this, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, 
He will restore, support, strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever. Amen. I'm not sure how long your suffering will last. But God promises you that He will restore, support, and strengthen you through it all. He will. He says He will. The firm foundation that He gives us is Christ. And He laid the foundation for our spiritual life. See, Jesus is our example that suffering is not forever that he was able to face it. And he was able to come out on the other side as king through the resurrection. And look, we, we might be going, it might be a Friday, but Sunday is coming. Hey, there are a few things we can do as we finish out this series. One, you and I, we can recommit to engaging at Southridge, serving, connecting, inviting, and giving. As we go into 2021, we want to go in strong as we work on this facility. So, all hands on deck. Second thing, make any relationship right that your pride may have damaged. It's hard, it's difficult, but don't burn a bridge. Third thing, a way for us to kind of walk through our own suffering and stay faithful in our own suffering is to pray for those who are also going through suffering. Guys, I have enjoyed this series. I know some of you have asked, hey, can we continue doing things like this? Well, we have some, some ideas in mind for the winter. But guys, I love you. Thank you so much for hanging in there over the last eight weeks. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for preserving us the Bible, that we're able to read it. And man, it's so relatable. One thing that has been really difficult is for some of us who are listening we have been going through a really hard time. This pandemic hasn't helped. We've lost people. We've lost our job. We've lost income. We've lost friendships. We might have lost relationships because of where people stand politically. One thing is for certain, God, you will never fail us. And you made a promise that no matter the type of suffering you might be going through, that you're there. Then on the flip side of that, Father, some of us have put ourselves in some compromising positions. And so, I'm asking that you will give us the courage, some of us, the courage to surrender, not to handle our anxiety, our fears, our doubts on our own. But Father, we would say no to pride and we would say yes to the Holy Spirit. And then finally, Father, there may be people who are looking for a church home. Of course, we would love to have them at Southridge because we believe that our church is for anybody. However, there might be some people who have yet to believe in Jesus. And so, Father, I'm asking you to draw those people to yourself, that they would have the courage to click on one of our live hosts, and they will be able to help them walk through what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. God, thank you again for reminding us throughout the last eight weeks that we have a forever home. In Jesus' name, amen.